All right, all right. Welcome, welcome to another episode of High Minded Seeking Righteousness. Today we're talking about a very, very significant uh, precept, a very significant um, value or virtue, uh, and it is faith. And faith is directly connected from the biblical standpoint to righteousness, even pre-Christ, when we're dealing with Abraham and Noah um, and David and a lot of these uh, biblical heroes or these these incredible human beings of the Jewish faith, um, that their faith, that righteousness was uh, counted to them because of their faith. Um, Because of their faith, God counted them righteous their belief uh, so we can see it's it's very significant in the even the purpose of this podcast seeking righteousness that we spend some time on faith now i've spent many many years on faith um it was something that i focused on very significantly because faith is a powerful virtue it is a virtue associated with miracles, uh, and it is a, virtu- a virtue associated with um, righteousness. So it, it need be uh, given some specific attention. Now, faith also is very, very difficult. Now, let's start out, as I do, uh, jumping into some definitions of faith. Uh, The dictionary defines faith as complete trust. (laughs) It's that complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, let me, people might say, yeah, I've got, you know, I have faith in my husband or wife, or I have faith in, you know, my best friend or, you know, my girlfriend or whatever. (laughs) Let me explain what complete trust means here. Faith is um, if you had complete trust in someone. Now pick anyone in your life. Take a moment. Envision in your head the person you trust the most. Find that person, the person that you trust the most. Now imagine you're at the top of the Empire State Building and they say to you, jump off. Trust me, you'll be okay. Now, this person that you're, you've got in your head, this person who you have complete trust in, and so you, or so you would have said before, would you do it? Doubtful. I, I challenge you to find someone who, that you would do that with. And if you did, then you are capable of some powerful faith. If there is, if you believe that you could get to the point where someone could tell you to jump off the Empire State Building and that you would be okay, that you would be fine, that you would not be harmed, that you would be able to do that. If you have that, you're capable of faith, true faith. And that's uh, that's an incredible power there because miracles are achieved with faith. Um, another description or f- of being faithful to someone, you can be faithful to someone or something, and that would mean that you're by definition loyal, constant, and steadfast. You're faithful to them, um, and it's very rare. I mean, we like I said, we live in a world with. Uh, I mean, when I was growing up, it was 50% uh, divorce rate. It was a coin toss whether if you loved someone or not, whether or not you were going to remain married or end up divorced. Now those those metrics are far worse. It's far worse. I haven't done the research, so I don't want to throw, but I. I'm confident that it's it's below uh, 30% of marriages remain uh, married and don't end in divorce. Now, faith is something that, uh, as I said, there's power to it and it requires complete trust. And I'll get to the power and the significance of faith, but some of the verses now after dealing with the definition um, of faith, sometimes you, your faith need be tested. And as I, uh, you know, over the years that I was uh, investigating and analyzing my faith and praying for more faith, 
one of the verses that would come up regularly was in, in James, uh, James 1, uh, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So there are times where you'll have faith in something and you have to keep having faith. So you must persevere until that faith comes to fruition. Uh, you must continue because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You must persevere through. And that, as I said before, is where hope, that encourager to faith, that uh, that Lois Lane to Superman, that, that uh, Superman has the power, faith has the power to do these things, and hope is the one that says, yes, you can. You certainly can, and it gives you joy, because if you do believe and know that your hope will come to fruition, then that builds confidence for your faith and gives it the strength to to fly. Uh, as I said, you know, it's uh, when I was talking about encouragement, an encourager can give you wings. Hope gives wings to faith. Hope carries your faith through. When your faith struggles, you can go to that hope that you have, that you hold on to, to give power to that faith. Now, faith on its own, we've talked about hope, but there is this uh, additional facet that ties into faith, and that's our deeds. Now, the Bible says you're, you're saved by faith, not of works or deeds, least any man should boast. And what that means is, if you do think you're doing good enough things, um, that you're, you're, you're going to feel boastful. And that's contrast to love, because love does not boast. And when you're outside of love, you're outside of God's will or His alignment for you, and it weakens these other areas of your life. So your faith will be weakened by dependence or thinking that just your deeds alone um, save you, because that's not the case. And we'll talk about it, uh, how, in fact, the deeds... Um, are such an issue that show your strength of your faith. So what good is it, uh, again in James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, what good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith, faith save them? He later on goes to say in verse 18, you have faith. If someone says to you, you have faith, like I'm a faithful person, but I have deeds, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Your works, your behavior should show your faith. You need to act in faith and act with faith. So, for example, if I believe that uh, and I have faith that I can uh, jump off of the cliff side and be all right or uh, so on and so forth, then I should behave that way. If I truly have faith, my deeds should show my faith in those things. My behavior should know that if I behave in a certain fashion, then I have faith that that thing will happen. If I sacrifice this thing, by my sacrifice, even though I need not do it, it doesn't save me. But I do it because I have faith that if I do this thing, it will reap rewards. So my actions support and show my faith. So you can see the faith and actions in James chapter 2, verse 22. Again, chapter 2, 222. <laughs> you see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. It is difficult, and that's where courage comes in, and some core values, as the Navy taught me, were honor, courage, and commitment. Honor is a very broad term that uh, encompasses a lot of different facets of uh, virtuous behavior. Courage uh, gives you the confidence in your faith. If you have faith in something, and sometimes you have to do it afraid even, but courage strengthens faith and commitment we had talked about. Um, but again, James chapter 2, verses 22, you see that by his faith and his actions working together, his faith was made complete by what he did. So, we've got hope, 
as the cheerleader saying to Faith, like, yes, keep going. What are you doing? We know this is going to happen. You got to keep going. You must persevere through this. Hope being the lowest lane. I got you. You can do this. And the Faith being the Superman. But Superman's got to do the thing. His deeds must support who he is. He has to have confidence in the fact that he can do these things and that he should do these things. And these things are what make him who he is. These honorable, uh, what is Superman's uh, hope? Is his emblem. <laughs> the Superman symbol means hope, right? Um, and uh, he believes in uh, truth, justice, and the American way. <laughs> That's Superman. Um, but faith also requires that we live by faith, not by sight. And I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, because faith with sight, sight, being able to see something can get us right to that strong faith. We have pretty much complete trust or confidence in the fact that the chair is there because we see it. We see that the chair is there. And so that we have, it'd be very difficult for somebody to convince us otherwise. Now, faith, you don't have that visible affirmation of what we believe. We can't see the thing with our eyes. It requires faith. The unseen requires faith. But there's power in that faith. So if you want to spend some time on faith, you can also get to the point where, say, for example, photosynthesis. We can't see it. But for some reason, we have faith in what somebody else has taught us or told us that it is, in fact, taking place. Uh, that sunlight is um, processing through these plants and they're uh, taking that in and processing carbon dioxide and the sunlight and creating oxygen and expelling oxygen into the air for us to breathe. An incredible process, which again can bring us back to the inevitability of creation uh, and intelligent design versus accidental things happening. But that's, that's for another topic. So again, those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. That's in Galatians. Abraham was a man of faith. He did. He was pre-Christ. Um, God spoke to him, but God counted him righteous because of his faith, that he believed God, that he believed in God. Abraham was counted righteous. His faith, by his faith, he was counted righteous. So we can see in seeking righteousness, we have to uh, gives significant importance to faith. And then later, there's more to it because faith does other things and carries through beyond the Old Testament or the Torah uh, and the Talmud and the old Jewish script manuscripts and the old Jewish scriptures through to the New Testament, the birth and arrival of Christ and his life. And then post-Christ, where we've got the disciples and the apostles um, dealing with the world and Christianity after Christ. So uh, in Galatians, as I said, those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Additionally, in Hebrews, it was by faith that Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Now, it was Cain, uh, Abel brought him uh, gifts of uh, God's works, his, his uh calves and his his uh, livestock and Abel had pride in his own work because he had toiled and he had worked on this in the land and spent a lot of time on his stuff and he was proud of himself of what he brought to God whereas Abel brought from his perspective he brought God what God had given him he had brought back an offering of uh, everything that God had blessed him with so to that his faith uh, Abel brought God a better offering, and by faith he was commended as righteous. By faith he was commended as righteous uh, when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks, although he is dead. This 
but they, again, seeking righteousness, by faith he was commended as righteous. By faith he was commended as righteous. Abraham was counted as righteous because of his faith. Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness. And we are here seeking righteousness. So we need to see the significance and the importance of faith. And then, now on to another. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in fear, unfortunately, but fortunately he built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Now you can see this tie together. And you could see why somebody who's seeking righteousness need to spend time in faith and really practicing. Now I've had some, it's a very difficult struggle. As I said, it's been many, many years that I've worked on faith, that I've addressed faith. And I believe that one of the obstacles is my motives, my intentions, because when I was initially seeking righteousness or seeking the power of faith, I was looking for those those miraculous abilities. And I'll address a few of those that uh, the Bible references. Um, one of the things, though, uh, we all know that Jesus went around and uh, he was performing miracles in, in different towns and different villages throughout Israel. And um, amazing things were happening. And see, the thing about these things is they're documented not by one person. These things are documented by multiple people. And these Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John books are from different perspectives intentionally, meaning we've got the tax collector, the quote-unquote sinner. We've got the Jew, uh, you know what I mean? We've got the Gentile, and we've got the, you know, I can't even remember the other, but these different perspectives and these same stories or these same uh, perspectives from different angles, but of the same things that took place. So, and there are documents to confirm uh, in the Roman text that Pontius Pilate existed and that Pontius did have Jesus and Barabbas and the things that took place are confirmed, which is why as an intelligent person, it requires that I give these scriptures and these ancient texts uh, attention. Now, people will say a lot of times things are lost in translation. Well, also, I believe it was the 60s, maybe the 70s, but I believe it was the 60s. They discovered, they unearthed the Dead Sea Scrolls. And these were ancient texts, uh, so old. And the translation, they were written in, I'm not sure, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, but original texts, uh, biblical texts, scriptures that were confirmed tra through translation that the translation had held up over the thousand plus years, uh, that the translation that we're dealing with is still accurate, which requires, again, me to say, what? This requires specific attention. And of course, there are people that go to, if you'll understand the wisdom of Aristotle or Plato or Socrates, in that there's the wisdom of Solomon, which is these Jewish texts, um, which are part of the biblical text, but from the Torah, that there is wisdom there. They cannot be denied, just like Confucius. There's wisdom with these other places all over, and Solomon is there, so they're worthy of attention, certainly worthy of attention. So when Jesus was going from town to town, uh, and he was, you know, just walking his walk and speaking to the people and, and living his life, essentially, as he did as a man, walking from place to place, um, because of who he was and what he was doing, people were following him. But there's the expression that a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. Uh, and that's because, you know, it's like, who is this guy? You know, they'd say when he went to Bethlehem or Nazareth or uh, they would say, is that, that's the carpenter's son? What, what is he talking about? What is he? Who's going to listen to him? That's just the regular dude, like, uh, you know, they, but he was amazed by their lack of faith. He was amazed by their unbelief in what he could do. And in Matthew 13, 58, it says that he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. 
I don't know that he couldn't. I don't want to say that, but quite possibly because he does base these miracles that he performs on people's faith that he is dealing with. So, one of the examples that we'll go into some examples when um, uh, Jesus was uh, there was a paralyzed man there, and Jesus saw the faith of the people, and he said to the paralyzed man, "Son, your sins are forgiven." And the man was able to walk. Saw their faith. He saw their faith, and this miraculous thing happened. Another example with the fig tree, as I said in Matthew, he uh, he saw a tree. And some people say, at least my perspective when I read this, you know, and uh, knowing the person of Christ based on the the biblical representation that I have of him, uh, it would seem a little harsh. He walks up to a fig tree. And he wants some. He wants a fig. He wants something to eat. And he goes up, and the tree's got no fruit. Now, I imagine this to be a person. You know, he comes up to somebody, and he wants. He's, you know, what's the fruit? What have you done for me? And he goes up to this tree, and the tree has no fruit. And he says, he curses the tree, and he says, "You'll bear no fruit ever again. You're done, tree. You didn't have fruit when I wanted it. When I came to you for it, you'll have no more." Now the tree doesn't have a soul. The tree is part of the creation that he's created. It's it has purpose, and so in Matthew twenty one twenty one, he repeats the. They said to him, they saw the first. They said to him, the disciples said, "How you know the hey the tree withered, the tree withered here like uh, you cursed it and it's withered." And in Matthew twenty one twenty one, he replies, he says, "Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt." Now, doubt. You cannot doubt. A doubting man is double-minded, and well, I'll find the verse for that maybe some down uh, down the road. Because it's the opposite of faith. If you doubt, then you're dancing on this line. But truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, "Go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done." And this is a man who does perform miracles, who is capable of these miraculous things,、uh, and I've spent trying to understand this power,、um, because he doesn't say that they can't do it. He doesn't say that because he's the、uh, son of God or that he's God on earth that that's why he can do it. He says that you can do it too if you have faith. He says, truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt. See, that's the real trick. We. It's somebody, and that's why encouragers are so powerful to get people to achieve things, to remove that doubt, to instill that faith, to to have that hope. It's incredible if you can piece this together, which I'm trying to do, trying to figure out how these things work. Because I have seen at certain points in my life where I've been able to just get it right, and boom, it's happened. It's been incredible, and that's why, again, I've been more drawn to these scriptures because of the circumstances in my life where I've seen incredible, incredible things happen because of tying these things together. This hope, this faith, this encouragement, love—all of these precepts—it's not、um, pie in the sky for me. It's not fantasy. It's historical data. I'm going off of things where I've been stunned by the effects of some of these things in my life, or the lack thereof. And I try to to build that, and we can talk also about as we talk about these miracles, placebo. I am going to get into the quantum realm and the quantum mechanics, and why that is clearly a tie into the spiritual realm. Him here, and scientists are starting to get that, and I do believe that's bringing us to the place where ultimately we'll have the、uh, the man of lawlessness come on the scene. But so additionally. Um, there was a point where、uh, Jesus was on a boat, and the disciples were on the boat with him. And again, he says to them, "He's sleeping. He's sleeping on a cushion." <laughs> All right, it's Mark four thirty-eight. I'll read the verse.、Uh, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, "Rabbi, teacher, do you care if we? Don't you care if we drown?" He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, "Quiet, be still." And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Now, exclamation points, because I've seen that sometimes when there's assertiveness, when you're telling it to be so, that it's 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 affected things in my life that I've seen. But 
the wind died down, it was completely calm. He said to the t- disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Back to this faith thing, when this miraculous thing. Now you can see just selfish motivation, which may have been uh, maybe why I'm um, stunted in my ability to get to this point of faith. I have seen it. I have had tapped into that that power at certain points in my life, which has motivated me and encouraged me down this road to be able to go that way. And the power of our words, the spoken word in the beginning. Uh, God created the heavens and the earth, and when he wanted to make light, he said, he said, let there be light. The power, and there were people like even the secret. You want to go off of the scriptural side, you've got uh, the secret, which is, which is Oprah Winfrey's uh, perspective, and it's this utilization of this faith and this power of words, and they adding gratitude and all of these things, and they're people are getting behind this and they're separating it from the Bible, but that's it was been saying this all along. They're just using it, marketing it more in a worldly way. Uh, the law of attraction. The law of attraction is you know, the things you speak out and the things that you believe come back to you. These things you get these things uh, that they're that's what they're speaking of. This these are all worldly uh, perspectives or marketing or brands that are tapping into this very thing. They're just not associating it with this scripture. But this is what that's saying. If you read that stuff, if you go into these things that people are talking about, this is thousands of years old here. <laughs> and they're talking about this. And these people now are just talking about the facts and these things. And people will be able to confirm that they've quote unquote manifested things by their words and their beliefs in their life. They've been able to manifest things, and there are people who are practicing these things on a regular basis, although they're not associating with the Bible and the Bible, the scriptures, as it's been said, it's still out there, and people can't deny these effects because they are, from a quantum science, a quantum mechanics level, in fact, proven. I mean, the science is confirming the fact that because of our observation, which is 100% faith that quarks and electrons, at least on an atomic and subatomic level, are behaving differently dependent on the observation. They're also confirming things that people couldn't understand where a man, Christ, could walk from one point through a door and just go end up on the other side of this door these things, we're seeing these happen in quantum mechanics, where an atom, because we don't know its exact location, will be on one side of a, of a partition, and on the next, that very same uh, subatomic particle, I think, actually, an electron, will be on the other side of that partition, without you know, transferring through it or whatever the case may be. It's moving on over through an obstacle or just to the other side of this obstacle with no issue. These subatomic particles make up creation. They make up all of these things, quantum entanglement, where and Einstein had a very uh, difficult issue with quantum entanglement because, for example, there would be a particle, an electron here, let's say, in central Florida, and it would be quantumly entangled with, or quantum entangled with a electron in Singapore, let's say. And when we turn that one uh, subatomic particle down, or when we turn it, at the very same time, the particle in Singapore would turn, would turn at the same time in the opposite direction. One, the movement of one, or the behavior of one was instantaneously affecting the behavior of the other. Now, I do got to stop for a potential break here. We'll see if we get some sponsors down the road. But ultimately, that quantum entanglement, um, there was a misread on that. They believed that it was uh, communication, or Einstein didn't like it because it implied that there was a signal being transmitted from that one electron to the other faster than the speed of light instantaneously and Einstein proposed that nothing could move faster than the speed of light but I propose that that one electron is not transmitting a single a signal it is in fact the same 
as the other electron, and just like you'd put a bar between two balls, and if you turned one, and the other one's going to turn by default. That's what's happening here. But we'll continue on with that in just a moment. All right. So now, continuing down with the quantum entanglement. Now, I said the same. I don't mean the same. I mean they become the same object once they are entangled. The two become、uh, the same entity through this connection, which is not an electrical transmission or a signal through some energy wave down a, a line from point A to point B, but instead it's a mechanical connection similar to a bar. Uh, that when you turn, like if you imagined a, a ball with a a physical bar between it and another ball after they've become entangled, and this bar is stretchable to whatever distance it needs, it has no、uh, physical constraints. It is defined in this quantum realm, in this space, dark matter, as people would possibly like it, or this energy, or this. Matter that's out there that we don't have quantified yet. I mean, there is stuff. There's so much yet to figure out, and I believe that we're going down the road. But nonetheless, now you've got a bar. If you turn one, the other one turns instantaneously because they're connected by this bar. And if it's in opposite direction, if one has an arrow up and the one has the arrow down, when you turn it,、uh, it's they're going to go flip the other way. It's just the way it is, and they seem to when they come entangled to become.、Um, Different polar things, but we've gotten down the road of the quantum side of faith and these other things. That things are connected. Now, the double slit experiment, and I have to spend some time on this, is a quantum、uh, science, a quantum mechanics experiment that started. That really is at the forefront of this、uh, quantum science. And what happened was they'd shoot these electrons through these two slits, and presumably they should hit. Like you know, shooting Nerf balls through the ones that pass through are going to leave marks wherever they hit on the wall on the other side. These little balls, which is what you would expect of a particle, this was、uh, expected behavior. But what happened was when they tried to record the behavior, when they were measuring it, or there was an observer, there was observation or measurement of it, these particles behaved. Differently now. Now they began to behave as a wave, which is like shooting water through these、uh, two slits. Now, even though they're shooting these particles, once they hit these slits, now they're observing it, they're measuring it. The particles behave differently. Astounding,、uh, mind-boggling, and still something that、uh, there's theories around, but very, very difficult to understand how these things are happening. So we've got that non-locality is this circumstance where this particle,、uh, because they don't know where it is, it can be on one side of the partition, and when they go to measure it again, now it's made it to the other side of the partition. It's passed through matter, essentially, presumably, or、uh, unbeknownst how to to the way we can do it, it's become. It's somehow penetrated an impenetrable barrier, which is again where we can see how. Uh, Christ came through the door. Jesus walked through closed doors in、uh, John twenty twenty six,、uh, and these things that happen. It doesn't sound so strange when we can see that particles are doing this. This is happening in、uh, reality, and so there's this、uh, connection where、uh, all different aspects of the universe, no matter how far something is. Particles in our space with this quantum entanglement can be connected to particles far in other planets. I used Singapore as an example, but let's call it the other end of the known universe, millions of light years away, and there's an instant response because of this mechanical. And it seems to be a violation of the speed of light barrier.、Um, but again, it's a.、Uh, It can be compared to a couple in love that, no matter how far apart, they remain somehow connected. So, again, these things come in. There's this effect that people don't understand and will often dismiss because we think that it has no basis in science or reality, and people need to be have these things explained by some、uh, PhD. Look, the science there. Do the research. 
I mean, we have YouTube. <laughs> I mean, information is there. When I was younger, we used to have to navigate the Dewey Decimal System to get to a book and find out information. Now you can just type in the word, and you can see hundreds of、uh, videos from experts and PhDs and doctorates and、uh, very educated and informed people about these things. It's very, very interesting. Very interesting this connection, because we do know this. If it's based on the observer and seeing is believing for ninety nine, if not greater than that percentage of the world, then there's this、uh, that we can because of what we're seeing, we're affecting with our belief of what's going to happen, what actually happens, and quantum、uh, mechanics itself is.、Uh, Determining that now, there's also this uncertainty principle in quantum mechanics that affects faith. That、uh, I think it's Heisenberg, <laughs> Herr Heisenberg,、um, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, which、uh, indicates that if we know the velocity, then we cannot know the location, and if we know the location, then we cannot know the velocity. If we know one, we can't know the other, which puts us in a very human spot—a very spot where we're limited、uh, by one piece of information, where we can't see. Because the Bible does confirm that that we're not going to know everything, and if we're not going to know everything, and we're not going to be able to see everything, then we know that the world is showing us the physics, the quantum physics, or the physical world is saying that you cannot know. Both of these things, or any of these certain things, all at the same time, with any certainty, and we have to say we need to depend on a certain level of faith in order to understand that there are things that we won't know, and we have to go to this source. We have to have a source of source of information, and the source that tells us if we can go back and try to say, wait, all these things affirm what is in these ancient texts. This、uh, principle of law of attraction and the secret, as Oprah confirms it, and quantum physics, and all of these things that we're dealing with on a daily basis are all being confirmed, or all confirming what information was already in these texts many years ago. Another thing that, again, confirmation to help you build your faith in the accuracy of these scriptures. Now, these scriptures were written, you know, thousand years ago before we haven't had any indication to how the universe worked. And somebody had to come up with the creation story. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then on the second day, He said, "Let there be light." Right? This is what someone wrote over a thousand years in the past. That、uh, in the beginning,、uh, or even greater than that. Again, I don't know the dates. If it was written in the Torah before then, God created the heavens and earth, and then the second day, He said, "There let let there be light." Now we've got a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day, which indicates. There's what he's saying when somebody says that to me is it's time means nothing, right? Outside of time. So to God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And if you're talking to someone who's, you know,、uh, in these ancient civilizations, a day is going to be your easiest、uh, way to determine a period of time. They're going to know when the sun rises and falls that time, that amount of time has passed, and that you're referring to a unit of time. I、couldn't say a minute because they weren't dealing with 60 seconds, an hour.、Uh, you know, they weren't counting. They had sundials. It was based on the rise and fall of the sun in the sky. A day passing was an easy、uh, way to determine or to give a unit、uh, measurement to time for people in ancient times. So, seven days they say the creation. But let's say if this that with given the same information in the same text, it's also saying. That a day is is a thousand years. A thousand years is is a day. That time is don't get locked into the time. A day is is a thousand years. A thousand years don't get locked into those specific times. So potentially, this person is saying that the second day he created light. He said, "Let there be light." That's a very difficult thing to guess back then. To guess on your own that first、uh, the universe was created and then then there was light. Then he could see what was going on. Very difficult to guess that. I mean, if you had to guess, you'd guess he made the light first, right? That's what you'd guess. 
turn the lights on before you start creating stuff, right? So first, maybe you made the sun. I mean, if I was just on my own having to figure it out, I might say, hey, you know, the sun and the sky and this stuff and that stuff. But first, the heavens and the earth, the heavens including space and the universe and the galaxy, and then light. And guess what? Stephen Hawking's says in his, you know,、uh, history of the universe after the Big Bang. Boom, we get everything all over the place. The heavens and the earth. Boom, go out. Expand. They're going where they're going. Not a day, 24 hours, but they're going out in a certain unit of time. In this first portion of time, the first thing that happens in that, and then the second, he says, the next thing that happens, say 10,000 years or a million. I don't know the time frames he says, but the next thing that happens is then we start to get gases in the、uh, in the universe that start to form these suns and these stars that bring light. So we didn't have light in the beginning; it was just the universe expanding out everywhere. If we're just going from a scientific standpoint, and then later down the road, after a certain period of time, let there be light. Now the gases start to form, and from my perspective, this is the magic of the Creator. This is His, the spirit realm. This is how He did the things. I mean, that's we're meant to、uh, separate science from.、Um, uh, Well, let's not call it religion, but let's call it faith. From our understanding of these things, science from it, and I think that's a deterrent. Now, people may disagree with me, and I don't, I don't profess to know. But these are the pieces, just as I put them together. So I have faith that those things have happened. So now we've delved a little bit into the the scientific side of how the the belief of the observer is affecting the result. In the quantum mechanics, and we've talked about quantum entanglement and how these things are connected on this level that we can't understand. But the importance of faith also is that, and I wanted to go into a little bit more of the power of these things. Now that I've established that on a quantum level, we can in fact determine that it is possible for these things that are deemed miraculous, for electrons and for.、Uh, Quarks and for these subatomic particles to be on one side of a partition and then be on the other side of a partition, and we and everything are made of these subatomic particles. That these miraculous behaviors are possible, and not only possible,、uh, can、uh, they? They really exist. They're they're far from impossible. We are capable of them on a subatomic part, a subatomic level. So then, let's go into another story, where again the, the power of faith、uh, was demonstrated.、Um, there was a blind man in、uh, Luke eight thirty five. Jesus approached Jericho. Blind man was sitting there. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. People told him that Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth was passing by, and the guy called out, "Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me." Jesus, son of David, indicates that he knew or、uh, believed that he was the Messiah because the Messiah was supposed to come from the line of David, King David. Have mercy on me. So,、uh, people who were leading were put told this guy to get away, and were like, they said, those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, and he shouted all the more, "Son of David, have mercy on me." So Jesus stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. So they, when they brought him, when he came near, Jesus asked him, "What do you want me to do for you?" And he said, "Lord, I want to see." He was blind. I would like to see. And then、uh, Jesus said to him, "Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you." He hasn't said to him, "You heal."、Uh, I healed you. He didn't say, "You know, do some song and dance and some magical waving his fingers around and you know mixing up a potion and a cauldron or abracadabra." None of that. He just said, "Your faith has healed you." You can see that this power. Of this thing, this faith, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Another example: two blind men following him in verse twenty-seven、uh, healed them. He said, "According to your faith." He touched their eyes and said, "According to your faith, let it be done to you." And their sight was restored. Now I believe that he touched their eyes specifically in this case to help them have faith. I believe that there are things that we can do. It's like the little kid. Now, you know when the father says, you know, the kid's embarrassed to go into to class because he feels that, or he's embarrassed to go on saying, or he's shy 
He says, put these magic sunglasses on so that, you know, don't worry, no one will see you. Um, and he goes in and he puts the magic or he says that you'll be whatever. And he puts them on and the kid believes that the sunglasses made him. And he had that faith in it. Uh, you can look at um, Samson with his hair. He believed that his hair, the length of his hair, he had faith that the length of his hair was tied to his strength. And as such, when he lost that hair, he lost that faith, he lost that strength. So, another that here's another example when Christ is on the water. Another miracle. Jesus went out to them while he was walking on the lake. This is in uh, chapter 20 or verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When they saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. <laughs> he said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Fear is the opposite of faith. He said, they and Peter says to him now, and this is gay, Lord, if it's you, and that's a key sentence, and I'm going to come back to that, because I want you to use this in strengthening your faith. It's something that I've carried with me, that I've utilized, um, and I can see it, it's not a trick, but I called it the trick. It's not really a trick. It's a, it's using uh, God's faithfulness to you, his faithfulness to his word, um, to help you with your faith. He said, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, he said to him, tell me to come to you on the water. So Christ says, come. And then Peter gets down out of the boat, walked on the water and goes towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, now Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and started to come towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, when he saw the wind, <laughs> He was afraid and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, of course, Jesus raised out his hand and caught him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? You of little faith, why did you doubt? So now faith, we see that Superman stuff. We see those superpowers. We see Christ's out there walking on the water without a care. He's just taking a stroll, you know with his God, probably talking to his Father in heaven. We don't know specifically what he was doing out there, but we know he was taking a walk on the water. Now, I want to analyze this, this, these statements that Peter said. He said, the first thing, Lord, if it's you. So now, Christ has to take that. If it's, if, if it's Christ, he's saying like, so imagine if it was me, if it was John. If somebody said to me, John, if it's you, then raise your hand. I'd have to raise my hand, right? Because it is me. He says, uh, John, if it's you, have a sip of coffee. Well, good idea. <laughs> I'd have to have a sip of coffee because it is me. And me being perfect and true. It would obligate me if I wanted to do this person, and if he was asking me with genuine sincerity, John, if it's you, raise your hand, then I would have to raise my hand because it is me, right? So Peter says, Lord, if it's you, now whatever he says after this, because it is him, he has to do or must be done. So Lord, if it's you, Tell me to come to you on the water. Tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, I pray this way because you can achieve miracles. And it, unfortunately, it does. Once he starts walking out there, it's dependent on his faith. He has to take those steps and he has to have faith. And the natural world will break our faith. The wind. Peter saw the wind and began to sink because he was afraid. The natural world, the things that people around us, the things, the, the natural is fighting against the supernatural. It's, in, it's wanting to prevent us from achieving these miraculous things anymore. And even with Christ there, and even where he had already taken some steps on the water, the natural world was still able to overpower him. And that is because he said, you of little faith. 
So I say to myself, how can I build that faith? How can I get that? So I try to practice because I'd like to get to the point where maybe I can take a few more steps before I start stinking or sinking because of the wind. Take a few more steps next time. Get back in the boat. But hey, God, if it is you, meaning to achieve this thing, if you want me to do this thing, Lord, if it is you, Father, if it be you, I can do this thing. If it be you, let tell me to do this thing. If it be you, tell me to do this thing and I will be able to do it. That is a prayer of faith. That strengthens your faith. That is a, and again, he used a little thing where my son had said to me, Father, if it's you, you'll tell me to eat this cookie. <laughs> Now, if I was the perfect and was entirely faithful, I would laugh. And, you know, again, the human being goes different ways and whatever, but the perfect father would say, eat this cookie because it is me. If we're dealing with things on their absolute levels, then that's kind of an exchange there. But faith, we can see, is counted as righteousness in the Old Testament, specifically with some big heroes. We can see that faith affects the world, even today as we understand it on the quantum level. These uh, scientific things that are happening with our faith. And we can also see that there's, even if you want to look at the social side of things and the world as we know it, and certain successful people in this If you subscribe to this position of Oprah Winfrey's The Secret, as she calls it, or these laws of attraction, as many of these other people are grabbing on and are seeing things and claiming that they're able to manifest certain success and certain things in their life with very specific examples. If you subscribe to those, all of these things are only... Uh, remarketing or rebranding or reboxing of faith and the results of faith that we know from these ancient texts and these texts to believe that they're not divinely inspired if you even just take the position of somebody had to guess that light wasn't the first thing that was created and that light came on the second day and in fact scientists at this point are even going to that point. God describes himself as being outside of time. See, the real obstacle to Stephen Hawking's uh, faith was that when he got back to that beginning point before the, the Big Bang and people may disagree or whatever the case may be, I don't. I don't put myself in conflict to these uh, scientific positions. I have a tendency to see how they work. Um, And Hugh Ross is a fantastic astrophysicist that explains a lot of these things. But before that, it was akin to a black hole. So there was this mass, this tiny subatomic-sized particle that all of the universe came out of. That's what they called the Big Bang. Now, if we associate that with the black hole, which we know there is no time, or at least time slows down and stops as things go, or is proposed that if you threw a clock or a watch into a black hole, the hands would ultimately slow, slow as it got to that pinnacle point of the black hole where it was either ultimately crushed or passed through, but at such a minuscule level that time, the clock would stop at that pinnacle point and time would be moving. And God has already identified that he's on the outside of time. So on the other side of these potential black holes, maybe outside of this scope of universe that's where this entity that scientists like to call the causal agent um, dwells but people have a lot of uh, misunderstandings maybe myself maybe I'm not but I do see the way these pieces all connect and it's because I do delve into these other areas and explore these things so we can see at this point faith is counted as righteousness so seeking righteousness faith has a significant aspect and faith is knowing something. When you speak with faith, when you speak with faith, that's when these things occur. When he says, be still to the seas and the air, and he's speaking with faith, it is done. When he tells this tree, when Christ tells this tree, 
you will bear fruit no more. It bears fruit no more. When he says these things, it happens. And when people are healed, and I have not even gone into the placebo side of things, but I've got a few minutes left here. When people are healed, it's by their faith, he says. Your faith has healed you. Now, to use some common uh, current science around that to affirm these things, there is a, uh, in all uh, drug experiments or where the manufacturer uh, of drugs are testing their drugs, they test them against uh, a placebo drug. And I'll give you what the placebo effect is. It's a beneficial effect produced by a placebo drug or treatment which cannot be attributed to the properties of the placebo itself and must therefore be due to a patient's belief in that treatment. <laughs> Listen to this again. And manufacturers, when they test the drug's effectiveness, they have to affect it, they have to test it against a placebo or a sugar pill, a pill that should have no chemical effect, should not heal them. So let's say we're treating cancer. <laughs> we have to treat a certain percentage of our patients with a placebo and to test the placebo effect. Now, again, the placebo effect is a beneficial effect produced by a placebo drug or treatment, which cannot be attributed to the properties of the placebo itself, meaning the sugar pill is not healing this person or curing them and must therefore be due to the patient's belief in that treatment, yet we've invested so much time researching all these other medications. Why hasn't somebody said, holy crap, let's see if we can get this placebo pill to work on more people. Let's invest in uh, having the effect, the beneficial effect attributed to the patient's belief. Let's develop that. Let's invest in because that need not have billions upon billions of dollars of invested money in trying to make it work, it only needs strength in the person's belief, which is why you'll hear and about miraculous healing, where if somebody prayed or these, it's this faith and we can see it scientifically in the placebo. Look at this. These are pills that they'll give to somebody with serious illnesses that they'll tell them this pill is the magic pill and is going to heal you. And it will, in fact, heal them if they believe that the pill is healing them. Yet we'll invest more time in coming up with different varieties of chemicals instead of saying, why don't we grab these people that were healed by this placebo drug and invest significant resources in figuring out all about what happened. Where, how, what made them believe? What were the circumstances? How do we replicate this inexpensive, if not free, level of treatment with astronomical results based on belief? And then why don't we see what more can we can do with this? This is faith. This is that curative healing powers that we see. So if you doubt, and Jesus would say to them, your faith has healed you. These people that got these placebo pills, their faith has healed them. It is still applicable today. Unfortunately, we do know, not know how to build that belief, that strength. As a matter of fact, all that we say and hear and see around us in the world seems to want to counter that, seems to want to say that is not the case. Do not invest in your own belief. Do not invest in faith invest in the science of these things. Science is going in opposition and religion and faith are going in opposition of each other, whereas if they could work hand in hand in tandem, they should be able to identify that this belief, this faith, is clearly, evidently, on the placebo side and on these laws of attraction and on the quantum physics side, faith is evidently having an effect on people's health, on the physical world that we live in. The supernatural, the unseen, is having an effect on the seen. And this is where we're kind of clashing 
in the world right now. We're coming to this point where these two worlds are beginning to meld. And certain scientists are becoming over and uh, saying, I can see, yeah, maybe this causal agent is in fact this thing that people call God. And on the spiritual side, the religious side, maybe some of this science is confirming my belief. And it's two great tastes that taste great together, like peanut butter and chocolate, right? But that's the way we're going. Thanks for being with me. I hope I uh, explained as much as I could. There's a lot more, I think, to go over. But I think we've covered enough as the value of faith, the importance of faith and seeking righteousness and some of the reasons uh, why we should spend some time really focused on that faith precept uh, that God's given us. Thanks a lot. Bye.